Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message <laughs> is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. <laughs> Hi, J.J. Hi, Donald. What in the world are you doing right now? I'm trying to talk with a lower voice. Why? What? <laughs> well, this, what week, all right, this week on the podcast uh-huh. is Chris Hogan. He's over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Am I making sense? Yes. Chris has an amazing voice. He has an the deepest, deep. most yes. masculine voice <laughs> you have ever yes. heard. And I did. I, I did listened listen to, to this. To yeah. this. And yeah, you've never sounded punier. <laughs> like yeah, I would say, like when I go That's through. That's not true. <laughs> There's nothing puny. This about is <laughs> this is actually not a joke. This is true. When I go through drive-throughs, when I pull up an order, they will go. I finish my order and they go, all right, thank you, ma'am. Please pull forward. And, or like when I call on the phone for like customer service, it's always, yes, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And I'm like, I'm a man. So like on, on this, like on our podcast, I would assume like normally I don't usually listen to the recordings after I'll just listen to the interviews because it drives me nuts hearing my own voice. But I'm assuming normally I'm the puny one on the podcast voice wise, but today Chris drops you Chris a few, does, a few literally masculine drops. drops. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad news bears. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I have heard that people do like listening to your laugh on two X. Like yeah. you know, like they two, yeah. they speed it up two times. Yes. I think we should offer it as a free ringtone of my voice. Oh no, that would drive people crazy. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had Chris's voice. Yeah, it's amazing. But I think it's a superpower, and I'm glad he has it because he uses it for good. he uses it for good, which we would use it for evil. I probably. would. I'd yeah. Like, I'm not paying for this Bluebell ice cream. Wouldn't you like to give it to me for free? I would like a 50% discount on these groceries. I think I would just walk around all the time going, in a world. Like, I would just start everything, like, in, in a, a world. world. Like and the you know, movie theater. Tim told us, our producer told us, his voice dropped when he was 14. Yeah. So, so he had that voice yeah. at 14. So he went right through puberty into this voice, which we're talking about, which I can't wait for everybody to hear. I mean, he has amazing things to say, but I also can't wait for them to hear it. Yeah, voice. but who cares what he's saying? It's how he says <laughs> it. It's how he says it. Can you imagine being like 16 years old and starting to date? It would be a whole deceptive world. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, you're going out with me. Okay. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. That's how a, you yeah. say <laughs> That's all you need to say. Anyway, his book is Retire Inspired, and he he actually yeah. gives really practical, wonderful advice yeah. on how to retire. And I'm curious, brings us to today's question. Yeah. You're 65 years old. You're yeah. retired. Yeah. What does life look like? I'm living in a farm that has city access. So a small farm, like where I want goats, I want chickens. Portland is the only city, I think, that uh, will no, work No, like in upstate New York, like to where you can get in within an hour or two. Okay. Like you can do that. Upstate so, New York's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. So that's actually where I would have it is upstate New York. You know I love all things mini, so I want mini donkeys, I want mini cows, <laughs> and I want mini goats. Like those things. And then chickens, regular size chickens. Regular size. But access to be able to like go into the city for the weekend and stuff if you want. And then probably part-time there. And part time in Holland, and if I had my total Holland, dr- yeah. Holland, Holland, yeah, yes, Holland, Holland, not Holland, Michigan, which that's what does I was exist. Thinking, like that's cold. <laughs> yeah, not Holland, Michigan, like Netherlands. And my ultimate dream would be to convert a windmill into a house. You want to live in a windmill and be surrounded by things that are mini. Yeah, you want to live in a children's book. 
I do. Your retirement <gasps> plan. <laughs> I've never realized that. I yeah. do. Let me just tell I'm you. I'm the old what's woman in a shoe here. right now. <laughs> I want to oh live my goodness. in a giant shoe. You just blew my mind. Yeah, I want to live in a children's book, turns out. But no. We I'm, have similar retirement. I yeah. want to be surrounded by seven dwarves. <laughs> and I want us to go to a house and sleep in the bed that's slightly small and <laughs> made up and drink this soup. This soup. <laughs> I can't remember the rest of that children's book. Snow White. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but there's another. It's the three bears. Yeah, I that's just not dwarves. Yeah, I mixed totally the two. Really. Porridge. The... Porridge. Yeah. Eat I'm... porridge, not soup. Anyway, <laughs> I am never going to retire. You don't think so? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, when I say all those things- I mean, that's... I'll pivot and do something yeah, else. Yeah, I would like to still do something. I mean, I think that's part of the farm aspect of things yeah. is like, I want to actually continue- working a little bit like to some degree but have the freedom to go on vacation and i guess when you have all those animals okay i want to pay somebody to take care of the animals so i can go on vacation can i plant a seed for yeah, what go. you would do yeah i really believe this go i think you would be an exceptional novelist really well you're good with story you're good yeah. at writing i've never read your fiction no you have a knack for what's entertaining mm-hmm. i think you would be an exceptional novelist i would say you post 60 writing novels there's something there Challenge accepted. I mean it as a challenge. Now, you can't leave StoryBrand yet. No. Uh, you have to stay with us at yeah, least 10 for, years. Yeah, I won't be 60 in 10 years. So, yeah. yeah. I, I don't see you being able to write anything good for at least 10 years. <laughs> I see that talent <laughs> developing right now, I'm pretty yeah, sure. If it's, uh, it's not gonna, so don't think you can. In fact, but, if you want to try, just send me something. I'll tell you how <laughs> tell I feel. You how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what do you? This is garbage. Let's make it about next week's product release. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you change this from fiction to? But so you really wouldn't retire. You would pivot because you don't love vacationing, like in the no. in the truest sense of like sitting by a pool and doing nothing. Mm-mm. So you would want to work part time or like what is freedom and kind of post nine to five. So my, my like retirement plan is mm-hmm. probably to run for office. Yeah. I've stored up all the wisdom yeah. and have some leverage and, and can get things done. I would probably, I mean, I really see that as retirement. Yeah. Because at that point, you're using a lot more of your brain than your physical body, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I, see, and, I know. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd probably run for office. Or if I wouldn't run for office, I'd want to be in some sort of um, consulting position with foreign affairs or yeah. the economy, something to, like that. To kind of continue working towards the good of society and helping people. With as much leverage as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but who knows? I mean, you know, you turn 65, you may be like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm 46, so I may be projecting yeah. <laughs> onto myself quite a bit, but I can't see myself retiring that way. But I, one I mean, of the reasons- 20 years from now, you could have grandkids. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. Yeah. Regardless, though, running for office, you know, those positions don't pay a whole lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, especially if you're like state legislator or yeah, something yeah. like that, there's just not in it. You basically do have to be financially in a good place to do it. So yeah. that's why I like what Chris is talking about, because to me, retirement is not so much about relaxing as it is about financially being able to leverage yourself yeah. at a point where you have the wisdom to give back to the world. Yeah. You know, it's like you know what you're doing. And so to me, being out on a fishing boat or, or a golf course, unless I'm out there with somebody and yeah, we're dreaming yeah. something up, that <laughs> yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can't see myself doing it. So, But that, that's one of the reasons I really like this conversation. In fact, it changed some of the things, you know, after this interview, sat down with Betsy and we actually, we made some decisions that we were already making really great decisions, but yeah. we decided to kind of double up yeah. on some retirement ideas that will put us in a much, much better position. If you're thinking about your retirement, 
he's going to have a lot of wisdom. If you're not, this is actually going to be kind of exciting. I don't even care if you're 30-something years old. You can be rich with just a middle-class income if you make smart decisions right now. Yeah. So here's my conversation with Chris Hogan. Chris, thanks for being on the Building Story Brand Podcast. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you. And thanks for driving over and being here live in person. Yes. I'm so glad. We've met a couple times. We have. But we've never sat down and talked about retirement. No. So I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Is it okay if I just learn from you? I would if love I it. If I just basically get free counseling? Absolutely. And okay. if I can learn from you about Story Brand, then we've got this thing going. Uh, you, don't, you don't have a whole lot to learn from me. I've watched your career. I think you're doing just fine. You're going to retire better than me if you keep it up. Retirement. Here's something that we know in the marketing world. People think about their future selves. The brain processes your future self as another human being. That's why the doctor says your blood pressure is high. You got to stop doing this. You know, you're going to have a heart attack someday. Your brain literally goes, somebody is going to have a heart attack in the future if you keep eating pizza. It's very hard for the brain to process it. So when you're talking about retirement, Mm -hmm. there are probably a lot of people listening right now who are having trouble actually emotionally connecting with the idea that they may be in financial stress for a good 20, 25-year chunk of their life if they don't start doing something. Did you find that tough to get people motivated? Say, hey, let's start thinking smart about this? Well, it really can be. I mean, whenever you start talking about money, yeah. people start to really disassociate themselves from their results. Right. And so it's truly a matter of awakening something. I, I call my book, Retire Inspired, America's Wake Up Call. Right. Uh, because as a financial coach, what I was seeing is there was a serious trend happening. Uh, we had fifteen to 19,000 people a day retiring. But a lot of them 15 were to 19,000 in America. And so it's one of those things where you found people that were retiring but were having to unretire just a few months later. They didn't uh, have enough. Yeah. They weren't prepared. Right. And so the thing that I They're started driving to, Uber. That's exactly right. Yeah. Some of these people you see working aren't doing it because they want to. Now, some of them are. Some of them are okay. But others are doing it because they have to. But, Donald, one of the things that I found that really tapped in and got people to wake up and look at it, I started talking about their dreams. Mm. I started not trying Mm -hmm. to just a scare tactic, but really waking them up to start to look at the opportunity versus the chance. Right. Like, what do you want to do? What do you envision yourself doing? Not just for you, but the people you love the most. The thing that frightened me the most, and I'm a banker, former banker, so I've been on Dave's team for 12 years. I've dealt with money. The wake-up call that I had was I have three sons. They're 10, uh, about to be 12, and then 13. But was I doing everything I needed to do to make sure they were going to be taken care of? Right. Had I dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. How old were you when you began to process Oh, that? this was seven years ago. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Where I started looking at it. Yeah. So I'm young, Don. I'm young. Yeah, but um, you're into your career a little bit, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, were, you had money. Oh, yeah, have but money before and have you a started, plan. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but then I started really thinking about what else could I be doing? Am I missing an opportunity? Right. And so that was kind of the wake-up call for me. It was my sons. I want them to have better than I, what I have. And every parent and grandparent out there wants that. Yeah. And so what does that mean? That means I've got to be smarter about what I'm doing, and I've got to make sure I'm on point. Yeah. The frightening thing was the burden. There were two top worries for people with retirement, running out of money but becoming a burden, which mm-hmm. meant you didn't have on enough their kids on their on kids the, yeah. or family. Yeah. Because if they don't have enough to take care of themselves, guess who it falls to? Family and friends. Yeah. And that was literally one of those things where I thought as a parent, I want to be a blessing to my children. Yeah. I never want to become a burden. Right. Oh, that's great. Now, let me throw another challenge at you. One of the challenges is it's just hard to get motivated about sacrificing right now for tomorrow me, right? Because tomorrow me feels like something else. The other thing is 
the economy is so volatile with baby boomers about to start retiring in record numbers and the social security number not being there. Mm-hmm. How do you face that challenge right now that probably that's going to affect a lot of people's retirement? Well, that was the other thing. So many people thought social security was going to be more than really what it was. Uh-huh. And so I drilled into it. The average payout's around 16000 a year. So that equates to around $1,333 a month. The average mortgage payment is $1,200 a year. Right. So the average new car payment's five seventy. What percentage of people are only counting on Social Security? I have no idea. That is a great research question. The people that I polled, 75% of them thought Social Security would pay out more than what it is. Mm. And so when you start to show them, now it's all based on how much you pay into it. Right. But when people were seeing the number when I would talk with them, there was literally like a look of horror on their face. Uh, they literally thought a retirement genie was going to show up on yeah. their porch <laughs> yeah. and the government was going to save them. Yeah. And I kept going, no, 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 you can't count on anybody. You've got to get your own cape. And so, you know, as a matter of that mindset of what am I going to do for myself and my family right now to help me later? I wanted to remove that as a a false sense of hope. Yes. We have to get a plan around this. Oh, you have to. Now, granted, I hope that it's there. I mean, I've been paying into it for years. I hope that it's there, but I call it the icing on the cake. That means if it is there, then that's fine. If it's not, I don't want my whole financial future to be 16,000 is not going to... It's not going to let you live your dream. It's one trip to Disney World. Well, and you can't really pay a mortgage payment and pay your new car payment with that dollar amount. Okay. So that means we've got to get a plan this is the next hurdle that everybody's going to cross. They're going to go, I'll do it tomorrow. It's really intimidating. Oh. They wouldn't say it's intimidating, but that's what we're feeling. There's a bunch of numbers. I don't even know how to deal with it. All I know is I'm going to have to sacrifice now for the future. It's intimidating. You don't think it's – well, you're a banker. But you've explained it in such a way that it doesn't have to be intimidating. We can outsmart this process. We really can. And yeah. the crazy thing is is how fast time goes by. Yeah. Okay, watch this. Donald, you remember Y2K? Yes. <laughs> do you remember that? I was on an airplane when the clock ticked over. When it ticked over. To prove a point. Okay. You yeah. made it. Yes, You're we fine. did. Yeah. Do you realize that was 17 years ago? Holy mackerel, really? 17 years ago. Are you, if you're going to tell me if I put a dollar away, <laughs> I would be five. I would go with five million. I'm not even going to go I, there. I don't want to go there right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I am making the point of how fast time goes yeah, by. Yeah, it's flying. Right? And it's crazy. We blink. And so, you know, millennials, they laugh at us about Y2K, right? Right, like, yeah. really, people, yeah. you are freaking out. The ones out. who remember it. But the crazy thing is, is that they talked about it so much, you eventually started to plan because they told us everything was going to shut down. Right, Financial right. systems, food, yeah. right? And people heard it so much that they started going, you know what? I'm going to get some stuff just in case. I'm going to yeah. get some extra groceries <laughs> and ramen beans. noodles and yeah, all this <laughs> oh, stuff, yeah. you know. And, and you get Chainsaw. that. And then nothing happened, <laughs> right. right? But we were prepared. Mm-hmm. I think when you're dealing with retirement, unlike Y2K where nothing happened, it's I think a provable calamity. Something is going to happen, right. meaning that one day you're going to have to retire, meaning that I hope people can work as long as they want. I love what I do. I yeah. don't ever see me stopping, right. but I want options to do the things that I love. And so we plan for vacations. I mean, we spend a month planning for a one-week vacation. When you start to think about retirement, it's not two or three years. It could be 20 to 25 right. years. Yeah. Are you Especially doing, with how long people are living that's today. That's exactly and right. Technology is only going to get better. And so for me, it was getting people to wake up just to start to look at this and go, you know what, can I start doing some things to help me be in a better situation later? And it gives you more options. I love the word options. I don't like being trapped. I don't like being handcuffed and not being able to do things. And so I want to be able to do the things I want to do for the people that I love the most. That means I've got to do the things now and work a plan right now. 
You say we think end of life doesn't have to be the rest of your life, can't be the rest of your life. Unpack that for a second. Well, it's really a matter of a lot of people thought retirement, they see it as the end. And for me, I see it as the beginning. Like if you do retirement right, I feel like you're going to have more of two things than you've ever had before in your life. You're going to have more time and more money. Mm-hmm. Leverage. Absolutely. Yeah, you can have impact. Yes. That can and be you your can do things, years. whether it's charity work, uh, yeah. whether it's in your community, whether it's for your family. I want to be able to do the things for the people that I love the most. Yeah. And so, so many people were seeing retirement as, well, it's an old person thing. Uh, no. When retirement, it's actually the subtitle of my book. It's not an age. It's a mm-hmm. financial number. Yeah. And so what you have to do is put yourself on a plan to get toward that number to give you more options. All right. A lot of us are intimidated. We misunderstand retirement. We depend on Social Security or we don't have a plan. These are negatives. The final negative, we act like a sheep. Yes. <laughs> what do you mean act okay. like a sheep? Now, sheep are not smart. Right. Okay. No, they're, I mean, they're really, really not. It's bad. Like it's on the dumbest like end they, of the They're spectrum. not just saying that. They're actually it, dumb. It, it's serious, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is why they have a, a sheep herder. Because they needed that long staff to be able to keep these sheep together. Because right. if not, they just wander off. Okay. And we'll wander off on a cliff and the others will follow and they just go. <laughs> and I think we can be, as humans, oftentimes like sheep. Where there's a shiny and we take our eye off the prize and we just start wandering. The boat. A motorcycle. I've got one. I'm sorry. No. I don't have a boat. That's why I said boat. Well, I want a motorcycle. <laughs> well, I'll sell you mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the mall. I mean, we can lose yeah, sight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And five minutes of stupid on a car lot means you leave home with a car payment, right? Right, right. And that $596 you're paying on that car payment, if invested over five years, could become $95,000, right? Another solid year of great income that you just put into a car payment. You could have had a Hyundai it, yeah. and gotten you there just fine. It, exactly. So right. it's a matter of getting people to wake up and make choices so you don't have five minutes of stupid on the car lot. Now, right. there's nothing wrong with getting a new car. There's nothing yeah. wrong with having nice stuff. Yeah. A lady told me, I was at my book signing in Denver, and she came up, a little Italian lady, and she pecked me on the chest, and I bent down. She goes, you don't want people to have no stuff. <laughs> right? And she's so feisty and looking at me, and I go, no, ma'am, I don't want stuff to have you. Hmm. And she kind of just looked at me. I said, I don't want you working hard for stuff that don't count. Yeah. I want you to have nice stuff. I want you to pay cash for it yeah. and have nice stuff, but only if it's part of your plan and you're aware. Listen, to the kids and the grandkids that you said you love the most, yeah. you'll actually end up burdening them and costing them mm-hmm. if you don't work a plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get to some solutions. We've painted a grim picture. <laughs> let's get to some solutions because it doesn't have to be that intimidating. You talk about dreaming in high definition. Know your RIQ. Yes. What I meant with that is I wanted people to really sit back, take a deep breath, and start to think about what is it you want to do? Yeah. Like, is it hang out at the lake house? Going back to what you said before, just have a vision for what you want that life to look like. Absolutely. And then, and then reverse to, engineering. But see it in high definition. Like, I saw a TV. I I was in uh, uh, one of the electronic stores. We had to go buy a new dryer. Ours died. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were going out on a date night, and we found a victim, I mean a babysitter, to watch our kids. (laughs) And and we were going. But on my way in to go to the dryers, I saw this TV. Wait, can we just back up here? A date night to get a dryer? Well, we were going to look at it before we went to go out on a date. the most romantic thing I've ever heard. I'm frugal. (laughs) I'm frugal. But we were on our way to a restaurant, so we were running by to price a dryer. But walking in, I saw it back there, Don. I'd yeah. never seen a TV this clear. It oh. was like an 80-inch high-def TV, mm-hmm. and football was on, mm-hmm. and I played it. Yeah, okay, you So go. you know yeah, I'm drawn yeah, to yeah, it yeah, like yeah, a moth yeah, yeah. to a flame. But I saw the grass blowing in the wind. It was so clear, I saw sweat about to come out of somebody's pore. Okay, it's a serious yeah. high-definition TV. Yeah. But it got me thinking. 
I sat back and I thought, what if we saw our dreams in high definition? Mm. Like not just some stale painted picture or some faded picture, but in high def, me plugging into a community, uh, me going to Haiti and writing a $30,000 check and spending time with people in that area, mm-hmm. or me going and uh, writing a check for someone that's in need in my community. Like if you see yourself, I think in high definition, it doesn't have to become this static thing. It becomes a thing that gets you up out of bed and it gets you excited. Not just that, but being the sort of person that in retirement people respect so much because they were so wise, they can now leverage their wisdom and hand it down from a place of authority, these kinds of things. It's interesting that you say to imagine it and see it. Do you actually encourage people to write down in a journal entry or something like to, to get their vision down? Yeah, actually, that's one of the steps in the RIQ. That yeah. stands for the Retire Inspired Quotient. Right. People would often ask me, how much am I going to need to live my dream? Well, before they got to the dollar amount, I wanted them to write down the dream. What are the things? And to have a date night with their spouse if they're married and if they were single or newly single with an accountability partner to really talk out loud. Uh-huh. See, the problem is, is I think we oftentimes talk in our heads and we'll dream a little bit, but we don't speak it out loud. It's yeah. literally like if you speak it out loud, it kind of gives it a new level of it life. Does. It, it does. Changes it changes things. weird. Yes. So I encourage people to not only write out the dream, but write out their goals. You know, what are those things you want to do, the game changer? Yeah. And so for me, it's I want to start a scholarship fund in the name of my grandparents. Mm. Uh, they didn't have a lot of money, but we spent a lot of time together. So for me, one, my concept of love is spending time with my kids mm-hmm. and hopefully grandkids one day. Yeah. So writing that vision down is very, very important. And then we can start to move into the financial side. I love it. I read some book this summer called Psycho-Cybernetics. Anyway, but it talks about if you envision things... It programs your subconscious, and your brain has no choice but to head your life toward your subconscious vision. It has no choice. So That's, what you're talking about isn't just like oh no. a fluffy goal thing. It's the way the brain works. One of my defensive coordinators in college, he was big on Zig Ziglar, yeah. Vincent Peale, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the mindset. One of the things he did, I was 17 years old on campus. I'll never forget this. He gave us all note cards a week before our first game. He said, I want you to write down what you're going to accomplish in this game. Wow. Okay, so number of tackles. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he wanted it. And I never forget writing it down. And once I did that, he gave everybody a copy. I obsessed on this. Everybody, so your other everybody teammates were team. seeing what you said oh, you would oh, do. Oh, yeah. He took oh, them up, geez. and he said he was going to call on people after the week after the game, that following Monday. And he was going to say, your actual results versus what you said you were going to do. So this wasn't just now. There's a public scoreboard. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so I'll never forget. He gamified I, it. He totally did, and he changed my thought process because what I put down on paper wasn't something I was just gonna do. It was something I was had to do. My reputation was at stake, and so for me, that was kind of where I grew up with goal setting. I look at that totally different. I put mm. things down on paper. It's something I'm going to do, not just hope to do. Read it out loud. That's talk right. about it. Envision Absolutely. it. All right. Now we've got to reverse engineer these goals. That comes down to. Budgeting, And I love that budgeting in your framework is framed as a part of gamifying this beautiful future that we're trying to build. It's not a sacrifice in the now. It's something we do out of joy to give ourselves something great in the future. It really is. And, and listen, you can't manage anything you're not aware of. And so people are working hard. I mean, some yeah. of us work with crazy people, too. Yeah. I mean, don't look around. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. But we can work Tim's really Tim's one looking at me. I know, I know. And, and I feel my, my publicist looking at me, right? But it's one of those things when you realize how hard you work, 
Yeah. And you look at your W-2 or your K-1 at the end of the year, and you look and you say, what do I have to show for this? Yeah. Like, I worked really, really hard, but yeah. what do I have? Yeah. And so I think a lot of times if, if people would just get intentional with their budget and say, you know what, I'm going to tell my money where to go mm-hmm. instead of wondering where it went. Now, that's a John yeah. Maxwell quote, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think it's one of those, we work too hard to not have anything to show for it. Yeah. Uh, and I've looked at single moms, and I've talked to widowers, right? And they had all this stuff around the house, but nothing of substance. Mm. And so I want people to take control. Your money will obey like you wish your kids would. Yeah. I mean, it really will. We just have to tell it. Yeah. Man, that's beautiful. You know, I grew up dirt poor, hmm. single mom, dad split when I was a kid. Mom didn't make more than $20,000 a year before I left. I left Texas at 21. She went back, got her bachelor's degree and master's degree in her late 50s, and then retired. Wow. Immediately retired. She just said, I just wanted you to know you can get an education. Isn't that amazing? Is she really? Yes. When she died, poor. I mean, she just never had money, Chris. When she died, left her paid-off house, left it to my sister. My sister ended up leveraging that house, getting into a beautiful home to raise her family in. She was just always smart with money. Wow. Larry Burkett. This is pre-day. Absolutely right? it is. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, it works. It really does. Okay, so budget, be the boss of your own money. We can get into the details on this, but it's in Retire Inspired. And one of the things that I like about this book is it just makes the process unintimidating, doable, gamifies it, and gives you something in the here and now to appreciate, and that's a sense of peace. Yeah, and that's literally what my approach was, was to literally write the book like I'm coaching somebody writing their living room, Yeah, right? I didn't want people to be intimidated. I didn't want people to be fearful. I wanted them to read it, have awareness, and understand retirement's not an end. It's a beginning, right? It's not an age. It's a number, and you can actually work this step, which really causes people to do one of two things. They either choose to do it or they choose to ignore it. Either way, you made a choice. Yeah. Okay, you you couldn't be coming over from Ramsey Solutions without giving us a little speech about debt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a thief. Yeah. I mean, when you really, really look at it, um, I give people a PhD in economics all the time with this right here. Interest that you pay is a penalty, right? If I use a credit card, I pay you interest. If I got a car loan, I'm paying interest. That's a penalty. Interest that I earn is a reward. My investments, my savings accounts, anytime I'm earning interest, I'm being rewarded. So literally, it's a matter of being penalized or being rewarded, right? Mm -hmm. Debt steals from you. It really does. There's no- Is that the first step to your retirement plan is before you even get started with investments, get out of debt? Oh, absolutely. Well, the first step would be to dream, right? Right, right, right. And make a decision, but then really start to get intentional and realize, what's the best way for me to grow my money? It's to keep more of it. Yeah. You know what my epiphany was? I was uh, running the numbers right when I heard Dave's message for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this man is onto something. I'm a banker at the time. And so I wanted to go look and understand where was my money going, Mm -hmm. right? Where am I spending? And I realized, and I ran the numbers, I looked at three months of bank statements. I was spending around $1,400 a month on groceries. Hmm. We had no kids, okay? (laughs) So my wife and I both worked, made good income. So it wasn't hurting anybody, but I added it up and I got frustrated. I realized I was making the grocery store rich instead of building my own wealth. Yeah, That was the wake-up call for me to change things, which meant that I started going to the grocery store with cash and I went in with a set dollar amount, 150 bucks. Never forget it. I was sweating. (laughs) <laughs> right. I didn't even take my debit card as a backup thing yeah. because I had to make a point. Something had to change in order for me to gain. Yeah. And I went in and I bought the groceries and I bumped into a friend and my calculator, I must have hit clear. I'm halfway through. Right. And oh. now I'm stressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I went and put everything back. No. And started over. 
Wow. And I got up to the register. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sweating full on because all I have is You're wondering if you're on inside the 150? I, am I there? So I yeah. put a couple items back real quick, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I uh, ended up getting out of there for $139. And I went out in my car and I sat and I went, I can do this. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so that was me taking back control over where I was having a money leak. I was leaking money in grocery stores. Yeah. So I had to be smart. And did you take that other 1250 and do something with our We put it toward debt. Gotcha. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. what we did was is then started to channel that. I had two credit cards left at that time and started to go, wait a minute, I can keep more of my money and do more with it. I need to stop making Visa and American Express wealthy. Yeah. They're doing really well. They're fine. And they're not going to take care of me or my kids later in life. Yeah. So that was a wake up call. So listing out debt, smallest to biggest, if you've got listeners out there, don't rationalize it. Don't call it leverage. Don't call it OPM, all that stuff they taught me in grad school. Mm-hmm. We got to learn how to count. We we learned basic math in grade school, right? Interest steals from you. It costs you money, and it makes you work harder than you normally would have to. So get out of debt and keep more of your money and then start to do some smart things with it like invest. I'm convinced it costs you more than just money. Hmm. I think it costs you peace of mind. Yes, sir. Recently, Betsy and I are building a dream house. We're doing it on cash. And uh, the guy sat down to me and said, look, if you just give me the money, I'd give you a loan, and here's what we could do. And you'd save X amount of dollars. And I said, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not smart enough to know whether that's true. But I'll tell you this. My wife and I have never had a fight about dollars, hmm. ever. We have never fought about it. And we will if I do that. Because, you know, I don't know what, what's going to happen with the market. You know, it, it's just terrifying. It is. And, and then you, I've got all this money in my pocket. What am I going to go do with it? I'm going to do something stupid with it. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, and you bring up the, the one aspect that's risk. Yeah. See, having debt is risk. Because what I have found is even if your child is sick, even if you lose your job or you're sick, debt doesn't care. It wants a payment each and every month. Matter of fact, it requires a payment. So it just takes. So yeah. I call debt a thief, and I need people to see it for what it is. Don't rationalize it because there's all these cute commercials out there to get you laughing, right? What's in your wallet, right? My boys love the commercial when it comes yeah, on. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. Daddy, what's in your wallet? I'm like, cash. <laughs> Daddy has cash. you know. Yeah. But it's that mindset, and let's not look at it and think it's a friend. Because in reality, it's debt is a friend of me. Right. It's that friend that's talking about you behind your back and it's yeah. stealing from you every day. So look at it. Get it out of your life. Keep more of your money and then you can start to make progress. I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Chris Hogan in just a moment. Here we are at the highlight of the show, a segment called Marketing Mythbusters with Kula Callahan in her Wonder Woman pose. Kula Callahan... What is today's marketing myth? Today's myth is this. People will only buy from you if you sound smart. Well, what? Are you supposed (laughs) to sound dumb? That makes no sense. Of course they'll only buy from you if you sound smart. I'm telling you, it's true. People always buy from me because I always sound smart. That's definitely not true. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you what I mean by this. And actually, I mean, maybe there is some truth to that because you're really smart. Because you're really smart, you communicate very clearly. And people buy from brands that communicate really clearly. And there's a couple components to communicating clearly. So one is that you use words that are easy to understand in a very hmm. short amount of time. The other piece of this is, so as business leaders, as you know, members of organizations that we are passionate about, we know a lot about those organizations, yeah. way more than our customers know. And when we talk to our customers, the mistake that most people make is that they speak to their customers 
at like a level 10 on the, like a scale yeah. of knowledge. Yeah, so yeah, scale yeah. at one to 10, 10, you know, the most you speak to your customers at a level 10 and what's actually happening is they're not understanding what you're saying because you're sounding really smart. You're sounding really sophisticated. You're using all this insider language that they just don't understand because they don't know that much yep. about your product or service. Yep. So what great communicators do is they, for lack of a better term, dumb that language down yes. to about a two on yeah. that knowledge scale, because that is the level at which your customers understand what you're talking about that and, and it makes it accessible and you and i have both read books and you know i don't want to name him but where it feels like okay this guy has two points the point that he's making and the point that he's trying to get across which is i'm really smart absolutely and you can yeah, feel it totally. in the book i remember once um i read a bunch of c.s lewis when i was a kid and then finally i picked up the abolition of man and i read the abolition of man i went Oh, he was dumbing it down. He, everything else he was dumbing down. <laughs> right. This guy is insanely smart. Right. And it's a gift that you give to the audience, both in art and in marketing. Yep. And when somebody uses inside language or you know gets real smart on us, we call them slippery bowling balls. That's when yes. you hand somebody a statement or piece of information that's really heavy, but it, you also wrap it in Vaseline, <laughs> right? They can't get purchase on it. They can't right. hold it. And it, it frustrates people. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you frustrate them or they have to burn too many calories to understand what you're saying, their eyes glaze over. They try to be as polite as they can and they check out and they don't buy from you. Yep. Absolutely. Because they don't understand A, what you offer or why it would be important to them to yeah. buy what you're saying. The lesson here is don't talk over people's heads. Yeah. Don't actually try hard to be sophisticated and smart. Try really hard to be clear. So go through, at least go through your website and ask yourself, okay, am I talking over people's heads? Am I using language that they don't understand? And I think the same goes for being vague right. or, or being cute, not totally. just being smart. But you know, you go to a website and it'll say something like, trust is the commodity we exchange. <laughs> or the journey starts here. Like, <laughs> what journey? Where? Well, yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's a slippery bowling ball. Anyway, that stuff can creep in. If you want to go through your marketing and if you want to actually look at it with fresh eyes and spend two days just going, what do I need to change in my current marketing and what new marketing materials can I create to create a sales funnel to grow my company? Come see us in Nashville, Tennessee. Go to storybrand.com. We have a two-day workshop called the StoryBrand Marketing Workshop. You can come. You can bring a couple team members if you want. Get away for 48 hours and clarify your message so customers will listen. Register today at storybrand.com. Kula, thanks again for another fantastic segment of Marketing Mythbusters. Can't wait for next week. Well, the next step is investing. Once we get out of debt, we've got some money, we begin to invest. Yes. For the novice, because most of us will meet with a financial advisor. You sit there and five minutes in, my eyes are glazing over. I have no idea. He just wants me to sign this paper. Yeah. And he, something over here is a tax break. Something over here, if the market does this, market does that. It's just a little bit of a confusing world. How do we get started with that? What is the first thing we need to do in terms of we've got some excess cash. Right. We need to get it out of – Betsy and I are huge believers in getting it away from us. Mm. We don't want it anywhere near us. Okay. I don't want to be able to spend that. Right. So we put it in something very quickly, and we can't get to it. Okay. And so, then we live off of a percentage. of See, yeah. and that's so smart. So yeah. you set up parameters. You all have done the math. You know that money grows if it's planted the right way. Right. If you invest money, it can grow. And so I tell people, let's become a money farmer, meaning I want you to utilize your 401k, which sounds intimidating, but if we went down to the IRS code, all the way down to section 401, item K, it <laughs> says, if we open it up, it simply says, companies can offer employees a plan for saving for retirement. 
That's right. all it is. Right. Same thing for 403B. It's just for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to get intentional. Let's utilize the 401k. It's pre-tax. So what I mean is it's automatic. You set that up through your employer. It happens from your paycheck. There's nothing you have to do. But leave it alone and make sure it's growing. And right? that's great because it helps you not see it. And it removes the human element. And all of a sudden your life readjusts to the money that's left. Yes. And you like, begin to I had that. a friend as a banker. I was trying to talk him out of doing a 30-year mortgage. I right. told him to do a 15, right? Because it's 15-year difference. I mean, I know how to count. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to do the 30, Chris, but I'm going to pay it like a 15, which yeah, meant right. he was going to pay. Yeah. You know how long that lasted? Two months. Yeah. <laughs> then the next thing you know, so it's human nature to go the path of least resistance. Yeah. It really is. And you really do adjust. You I mean, do. as long as you're not getting into the, you know, really slim pickings here, your life just adjusts and you're just as happy. And I think. Well, and you also have the factor you brought up, which is peace of mind. Right. Because you know you're not going to be destitute later in life. And the identity of somebody, you always get to walk around being somebody who's smart. Because <laughs> you feel good. <laughs> That's right. So with investing, I encourage, smart decisions, I yeah. encourage people to do this. Reach out, connect with an investment professional. Uh, if you're someone out there listening and you go, I don't know where to find them, they can go to my website, yep. chrishogan360.com. Click on the Dream Team button. There's a button there. And you will find investment people that I have vetted, people that I trust, and just have a conversation. Interview them like you would a realtor or anyone else, a doctor, a dentist, anyone else that's essential to your life. Interview them. Find somebody that you connect with that's talking with you, not at you, and then have a conversation. A lot of business leaders are listening to this, and they're actually not living paycheck to paycheck. They're seeing a good amount of income come in, Mm -hmm. a good significant chunk of profit. Hopefully, if they did what we asked them to do, they're doing that. And how smart is it to diversify your retirement? Not just in SEP IRAs and these kinds of things, property, Mm -hmm. gold, investments in somebody else's company. What's your theory on somebody who's got, say, a million bucks a year to put away? Because I think there are actually a significant percentage of people listening. They're kind of in that. They're they're great at budgeting. Right. They're smart people. The reason I ask is the stock market kind of scares me. Ah. A little bit. Okay. Let me ask you this. Have you ever ridden a roller coaster? Yes. Where do you sit on the roller coaster? Do you sit in the middle, the front, or the back? I'm a middle guy. Okay, me too. Because I don't want to see what's coming. Yeah, I don't want to be the first one. But I don't want to look like a chicken. That's exactly right. (laughs) But but the crazy thing is, when you ride that roller coaster, you wear that safety belt, right? Yeah. Okay. And then it starts off, and it gets crazy, doesn't it? Uh huh. And sometimes scary. Right. But what happens at the end? You come back to that start point, don't you? Yeah. And you get off, and you smile, and you have the memory. I think investing in the stock market is just like riding that roller coaster. Like it can go up, it can go down, it can do all these things. But essentially, when you know what it is you're riding, you know that safety belt. And you know over time it's done X. X, exactly right. And it looks totally different. And so while for some people it can look scary, I want people to gain knowledge on it because it's one of those things where that's how I've grown my money like I've grown it over the last 20 years. Right. It really is. In the, not in single stocks. I'm looking at mutual funds and things of that nature. So diversify. Low risk, medium yeah. You put some in the medium I, I, risk. I've got it spread out. I've got it diversified because yeah. I'm fairly young-ish, mm-hmm. kind of. You're younger than me. Maybe not. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're all we're yeah, like, I know. We're like, I know. You're hairs, looking at my gray and my beard. On that beard. I don't appreciate that, Don. <laughs> you're judging me over here. But it's one of those things where you want to understand what you're dealing with. Um, yeah. And you got to have knowledge. But diversification, you brought up. Put a little money into property, a little money into rental house, it's, duplex. It's good to spread money around. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Right. And so I would tell people if you're investing in real estate, I want you to do it with cash. Okay. So we're not leveraging. Yeah. We already talked about Don't go debt. get a loan. So save up, pay cash. Now, you did mention one that we can't go with, and that's gold. 
We're not inv- I don't know. I don't. I don't, I, I don't know anything that. about that. I, I know that the Fed may increase uh, the price of gold well, soon, and that's. But here's scary. the thing: if we did have an economic collapse, uh-huh. you can't run into the grocery store with a bar of gold and buy anything. It right. has no value. It's man given the value, right? So I tell people: utilize mutual funds, utilize some real estate. Be smart. About fund a SEP IRA out. every year. Fund a SEP if you're so Fund one for your spouse. And do the Roth IRA. Yeah. The tax. Because when you hear Roth, that's tax free. So I want you to get Maybe tingling. I'm thinking Roth is SEP. Yeah. I'm mixing well, it up. And the SEP essentially is, is funding it. It's like utilizing mutual funds. Gotcha. The SEP IRA is something that business owners can do. And that's a pre tax thing. The Roth is after tax dollars. So it's all gotcha. growing. So we do free. the SEP as a yeah. t- it's a little bit of a tax shelter. Yes, absolutely. But Roth, you can do up to 5500 a year and it's growing all tax free. Right. If you're over 50, you can do 6500 a year. So you and your spouse both. I mean, every year it's you ought to be doing that, even if you're in the 30s. If you can squeak it out, yes. get it done. What does that do for me when I'm 65 oh if I gosh. start that in my 30s? I mean, you start to think every about Every year that. in my 30s, oh, what do I get when I'm 65? I mean, you're, you're essentially a millionaire. Tim, are you listening? Can you give me a broad number on Tim, 31 years yeah. old, $5,000 a year? Well, I would say this, that the 5000 a year utilizing the Roth, so that's all growing tax-free. Right. right? And it's taxed when it comes out, right? No, because it's after-tax dollars. Oh, that's right. So with yeah. the Roth, you've already paid tax on with it. With the so SEP IRA, the SEP you're going to get and hit. the 401k, you're going to pay taxes when you pull the money out. Gotcha. Right? And so a lot of Is people, there a penalty for pulling out early? I oh, can't yes. remember. Yeah. Oh, so you want to wait till you early, have yeah. to wait essentially till 59 and a half. Yeah, okay, gotcha. 59 and a half. Yeah. But that's when they you hit the RMDs, the required mandatory distribution. Gotcha. It's 59 and a half. With the Roth, there is none. There's no requirement. Now, the difference is this. With a 401k, someone at 31, you can put up to 18000 a year in your 401k. Mm-hmm. So that's pre-tax. If your company offers a match, again, you doing that, the 15% plus whatever the company match is, that's going to put you sitting right on time. But we can't touch that money. See, young Until people, you're 59. 59 and a half. You know, young people like Which is going to come fast. When they have kids. Lightning fast. You got a baby coming? Uh-huh. 21, is this so your 19 first days. You don't even know what's coming, dude. Look at him. Look at him smiling. <laughs> he doesn't know, Don. I'm going to have to talk to him. It's a big deal. It's a game changer. Uh, and it's really one of those things when you get your hand on that baby, you also realize you're now responsible for that child and you want to provide for him. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's inherent. I think every parent and grandparent out there wants better for their kids and their grandkids than what they had. And I think the only way for those kids to get better is we've got to start to work smarter, Donald. We've got mm-hmm. to start to see things differently, start to look further. And I think regardless of where you come from, my mom was a single mom as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of my drive. God bless them. You know, it is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where you start to look and you go, you know what? I do want to have better. Mm-hmm. I do want to do some things that maybe I've never done before, but I've got to stay focused. Mm-hmm. And I think when people zero in and they get the right kind of people around them to help guide them, things can change. So I'm not worried about what you come from. I'm talking about where you're going. Yeah. You've got opportunities ahead of you. If Tim puts in five grand a year at 59, it's going to be about $140,000. That's what he will have sacrificed putting it in. But, I mean, I realize the market changes and all oh, that yeah. stuff. But what we didn't factor in is the compound interest factor. Right. Right. See, the, the hard how much number more is 144. Is if you start to look at that, we've just average. Let's say right. it's 8%. Right? Well, you've got the compounding. So his. Because it's 8% is growing 8%. That's 8%. Exactly. And you're not taxed on that interest every no, year. No. You've already, yeah. It's after tax. Yeah. So it's all growing tax. But you're not free. taxed on the interest. No. That's amazing. No. And so you've got that exponential factor. That puts it way over a million. I mean, it, it literally does. That going in and it's compounding. And so the interest is earning interest and your principal is earning interest. I mean, it's, it's constant growth. It's that money farmer now, approach. Now, if I, instead of giving Tim large raises, just Uh-oh. give him 5000 into, I don't have to pay him the large raise because I gave him a million dollars when he's 59 and a half. 
See, this this man is a wordsmith, okay? And we'll talk at, to him after the break. I know okay? this just looks like 5000 but it's not. It's a million dollars. You're good. I like that. But no, it is one of those. And I would say this, as you have a lot of business owners and leaders listening, yeah. it is really vital for them to make sure they're educating their team. Yeah. You see, a good leader can help someone get better at their job, but a great leader can help someone get better at their life. And that's you engaging them and helping them to know some things to do, some things to avoid, mm -hmm. uh, and really help them think bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we have our life experiences. I think it's an opportunity to reach back and to give some other people an opportunity to have that leg up. So I want to encourage those business it. owners. Talk to your team, educate them on money, and let's help them have a secure future. We always say the greatest indicator of a good leader is that everybody around them is thriving. That's beautiful. Not just in... Financially, right. in every in area, area, in every, every that's life. how you know. Okay, I'm, I'm going to cover a couple more things before I ask you some questions because I, I want to get to like the government and how, how all and, right. and, and all the stuff that's going on. Intentional investing, the investing menu, your behavior, the best friend and worst enemy of your retirement. Why people retire, the opposite of retire inspired, the name of your book. Why people retire broke. What's the behavior that causes that? Well, I think it's one of those. The, the one I'd boil down to is people not understanding the difference between a want and a need. Yeah. You know, I mean, because we can want something so bad that we convince ourselves that we need it. Yeah. And if we do that all the time and we don't ever have those boundaries, we don't ever have those those things that we say we learn to tell ourselves no, then what ends up happening is, is we end up consuming instead of preparing for mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a, an opportunity for us to enjoy the day without living for the day. Mm -hmm. And that really just goes back to having some boundaries and being able to sacrifice, yeah. uh, to be able to tell ourselves, no, you know, I'm not going to go buy that thing. Uh, if I want it, I'm going to wait and save cash. But I think we can get in this mindset of deserving. I think we all work hard and we say, you life know is what? short. I worked hard for this. I deserve. Yeah. You know, and so you start and I've done this. I have done it myself where I go, you know what? I work hard. I travel all around the country. I deserve to be able to do and I deserve to be able to do that. And the problem is, is if you continue to do that too much and you don't have any boundaries, uh -huh. what will happen is you'll end up getting what you don't deserve. And that is to have to work longer and to work harder than you ever imagined. How do you draw a line, though, between that and deciding, you know what, we're going to go to Disney World this year? You know, everybody I know who works for Ramsey, they love their jobs. Mm -hmm. These people aren't walking around looking poor. Mm -hmm. They're making great financial decisions, but they're, not, they're driving a nice used car. They're, you know, they're enjoying life. So somewhere in there, because I think a lot of people can hear you and just say you're supposed to be miserable until you retire. How do you walk that line of just yeah. going, no, you know, occasionally we go off to Ruth's Chris and get a good steak. Yeah, know? no, hold on now. I'm not yeah. a miser or anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm, not saying I'm that. enjoying it, but I think it really I'm looking at all these diamond it, rings. Oh, you're yeah, wearing. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think it, it boils down to really where you are as far as your debt, your income, yeah. and your What's ratio, realistic? And your ratios. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is what I enjoy and have fun with is, is a very small ratio and percentage of my income. Mm -hmm. I'm doing other things. Do you put uh, it in, a, in an envelope the way, I mean, you put it in I, a, I, I either an envelope or some sort of... I an envelope yeah. for a couple of items. At one point, when we first started, we literally had 11 different envelopes. Yeah. We used it for eating out, gas. I mean, it was all in. Yeah. Because learning to control your money is a habit, yeah. right? You have to touch it. And so I would say this, it's a matter of you can enjoy some stuff, but save up for it. For example, um, you know, if I'm buying a vehicle, Right. I'm going to save up a dollar amount each month and a lot to that. So now when I get it, I'm not destitute. It's not stealing from everything. I'm not using my entire paycheck. Right. It's something I plan for. And you can for. feel okay about it. You can feel good about it. And it allows you to do it without having guilt. 
right? And you can really enjoy it. And if you're serious about it, you'll save up for it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with having yeah. fun. Don't hear me, but I want people to make sure they're planning for the future and we're not just doing fun all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I have guilt about it anyway. Do I mean, you really? You, you have <laughs> buyer's remorse? <laughs> just growing up poor. Yeah. I have buyer's remorse if I buy Ritz crackers over store-bought. Really? Oh, store. I mean, a little bit. Maybe okay. that's a little. That's exaggeration. I was going to say, bit. we need to meet. <laughs> we need to have a conversation. <laughs> Just a little bit. All right. The book is Retire Inspired, but I'm not done, Chris. Okay. I want to actually talk. I want to help me understand and help the listeners understand, because I've got a financial guy here. We just passed $20 trillion in debt as a country. 90% debt to income ratio is crisis level for a country. That means if 100% of all the tax dollars would only pay 90% of your debt or would pay 90% of your debt, you're in trouble. We're at 105. In other words, every tax dollar, corporate tax, personal tax, income tax, all of it went to pay off our debt. It wouldn't mm. as a country. You know, I don't know how we get out of this. Actually, I've got a couple thoughts. But I'm curious, our country is not doing what you and Dave and so many wise financial advisors are talking about, but we don't feel it. It's like if your parents are running up their credit card debt, but you can still play Nintendo. Mm -hmm. What's the ramifications of this? Where is this going if our government doesn't figure this out? And how are we going to feel this, and why do we need to deal with it? I think my fear, mm -hmm. um, having young sons, is that this is going to manifest in some way for our kids or our kids' kids. Because it's going to get, as the baby boomers retire, That's it's going right. to get worse because there's more of them than there are millennials and they're not going to be able to pay those social security checks. That is exactly right. So the debt's just going to go up. It's going to just keep growing. Now, yeah. then you look at it and you always hear these things about the debt ceiling and the debt ceiling. There is no There is ceiling. no debt ceiling. There is no ceiling. It's not since uh, Clinton. Right. There is none. Right. Yeah. And so we have this consumption mindset and then we're waiting for people to save the day. I think it's going to take legislators Real the political will to it, do it. To go in and to really say, we've got to learn to say this word that I've used on my boys a lot, and that word is no. <laughs> um, I think our, our government needs to learn that word, and it needs to learn to tell itself no, and also be able to be in line and understand what balance means, what a budget looks like. And I think until we do that, until we make those decisions, and we're okay being uncomfortable as this mess gets cleaned up, uh -huh. uh, there's no telling how it'll end up manifesting itself. Yeah. And when you say no telling, we could look like Greece before too long. If we don't, it's possible. Right? Yeah. You know, and no one would ever envision that. No one, you know, really says that out loud too much because we think we're too big to fail. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you look back on the crisis in 08 with real estate, all the things we walked through with the companies that we thought were too big, yeah. right, to be able to fail. And so I think it's one of those, it's a matter of responsibility. Yeah. But here's my take on that. Okay. I, I, I normally, as I, I look at it from a national level, I, I get concerned, right? And I do. I still look at it. I still get concerned. But then I start to think it's less about what's going on on the national side. And, and what, it's more how about I'm controlling my it's life. local. It's every yeah. home. Every home needs a balanced budget. Every home needs an emergency fund. Every home needs a college savings fund. These are things that we have to do ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't wait on it to get legislated. So don't be scared by that. Just stay Manage focused. Manage your own life. Stay focused. Now, I'm not saying don't vote. I want everyone out there to make their voice heard people make, and, and, and yeah. to get the right kinds of people. But can you imagine if we got people that were business-minded, fiscally responsible, put in some of those positions of powers, we could start to see some things change. But it's still... And it's completely possible. It we, is possible. We, we worked with, uh, just a side note, we worked with Governor Haslam a little bit, messaging his final 18 months. He's been our governor in Tennessee for seven years. And I studied his, in order to help write the state of the state, I studied all his previous state of states. And I, we just got here, so I didn't know Governor Haslam very well before this. And 
we, he went from $280 million in rate aid fund to $800 million. He, we have the lowest taxes in the nation mm-hmm. per percentage of personal income. Tennessee didn't feel that. We didn't feel We felt great. And we got into fiscally great health. So it doesn't have to be a crisis as long as you have politicians with the political will say that's unhealthy. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's not, it's not that we don't like you or we don't want you to have these programs. We, we love you. You know, it's not that we, we don't want rich people to have a bunch of money they can stimulate the economy with. It's just we got a pinch right now. And he, I actually said to Governor Hazel, I said, it'd be hard to get elected telling the truth, which is we've got to raise taxes a little bit and lower entitlements. And he said, you're absolutely right. That's not the way I'd word it. We've got to do something like that. But if you look at it, the families that are winning, the families that are being are doing just responsible that. are doing just that. Yeah. And it's one of those things where when you're making a sacrifice and you understand why you're making it and you're cutting back or you're not going out to eat because mommy and daddy, you know what? That envelope is empty. Yeah. Now what happens is, is we're not debating. My mom used to hit me with this all the time. She'd say, Christopher. Now I already knew when she said Christopher, there's a couple things about to go down. Like, <laughs> the whole name I'm either is about trouble. to get wisdom or whooping, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, one exactly. of the two. But she'd say, honey, I'm not debating. I'm stating. Hmm. You see, when you're debating, now it's an option, right, to go back and right. forth. But she was saying, I'm stating, I'm telling, this is what needs to happen. And I think if we do that more in our homes and our own personal economy, we'll actually end up healing the national economy. Oh, well, yeah. And we'll just make wiser decisions. And we're looking for people who are like us. That's right. You know, if I got to sacrifice and do this, right. you better sacrifice. Which is why too. we all have to get out and vote at every opportunity for your local government as well as your state level. Yeah. Well, locals costing you probably just as much. Sometimes. Just as much. Chris, this has been fantastic. The book is Retire Inspired. It's not an age, it's a financial number. If you want to know more about Chris, go to chrishogan360.com. You also have a podcast. I do. I Retire a, Inspired is the name of the podcast. Inspired. I get a chance to talk to people and continue the conversation with this book, helping people. People chase down and live their dreams. Do you interview people on podcasts? I do. What's your favorite one? So if they're going to go pick one, which one do you want them to hear first? Ooh, my favorite one. I had an opportunity to speak and spend time with Eddie George, which was a blast, former NFL player. Yeah. But also uh, the producer of the NFL series Broke, where he studied guys that had wow. lost the athletes. Yeah. So I had Billy Corbin on, and I was able to talk yeah. with him about what he learned about people that had it all and lost it all. That was a fantastic episode. Boy, you hand a 21-year-old kid $20 million and watch what happens. <laughs> it's a microcosm right. of what, most, what a lot exactly of us are right. doing with our That's money. Right. All right, Chris, we're going to look for that. Thank you so much for coming by. It's been a pleasure. It was a wonderful conversation. JJ, next week, Dory Clark is on the show. Yeah. She's another smart, smart, smart. Yeah. We, we have a lot of smarties on the show I know, recently. I like it. And Charles I didn't Duhigg. know about her before we talked to her. Yeah. Chris Hogan and Dory Clark. Yeah. She wrote a book called Entrepreneurial You, and it's about scaling up a business, or basically starting a business, leaving the cubicle and getting going. Yeah. And it worked for any kind of business, but the specific business she provides paths for are sort of intellectual consulting slash teaching uh-huh. kinds of businesses where you you write a book, you speak, you create an online course. A lot of what we've done here at StoryBrand in yeah. some ways. Yeah. And she talks about scaling that up. So if you have ever dreamed about starting a business or if you have a business and you're sub kind of 250000 and you're looking for ways to turn it into 500000 there's going to be a lot here for you in my interview with Dory Clark. Here's a little taste of our conversation for next week. Something that I would recommend for for anybody who's looking to step into it is um, actually to, to coach a number of people for free, you know, friends of yours 
essentially for practice, like you let them know like, hey, I haven't done this before, so this is kind of the beta test. But in exchange, the trade is that if they like it, if they feel like they benefited from it, they'll give you a, a referral and they'll give you testimonials. And those are things that can be really valuable to you over time as you learn the process. All right, there you go. Yeah. JJ, you too can own your own business. Yeah, and so then I can get my mini goats. <laughs> <laughs> and live in a shoe. So I can live in a... I hope you don't ever start your own business as long as you're with StoryBrand. We like having you around. <laughs> I won't. As long as I'm with StoryBrand, I will not. Okay, because I'm telling you, it's miserable. I'm leaving next week, but then I will. <laughs> you but never want to own your own business. It's just the hardest thing in the world. It's just so difficult. Anyway, uh, not true. We would roll out the red carpet and, and support your no, next venture. I love it. And I probably try to own 25% of it. <laughs> My new book, Building a Story Brand, is out now. It'll walk you right through the Story Brand seven part framework, help you clarify your message and grow your business. And it comes with free, amazing software. The book will lead you to the software. You'll be able to enter information into the software and you'll look at your brand message on one page. You will never experience as much clarity as the moment when you look at your brand and you say, that's how I'm supposed to talk about it. Go get the book, Building a Story Brand, today. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. <laughs>